I just realised, I realised that there's more to art than what you see. So I just had one of those, you know, moments where I just kind of saw the light, so to speak. And the social dysfunction that accompanies traumatised people has meant that Indigenous people find themselves disproportionately represented in the criminal statistics and in rates of incarceration. Kalimnians, however, being very resilient uh, mob, they uh, decided to, you know, come out of the water, so to speak, and concrete Darwin. Welcome to the cave. Brought to you by Australia's leading Greek Australian media, Neos Cosmos. This episode, we've got Kula Russos from Northern Territory, born and raised in Northern Territory, a barrister admitted to the Victorian Bar, and had the auspicious honour of being involved in the Stolen Generations case in the mid 90s. Uh, Kula works on criminal law in Northern Territory, incredible mind, and she's punishing herself now by doing a master's in fine arts and curation. So she's a barrister, curator, social justice advocate, and a Greek from Northern Territory. G'day, Kula. How are you? Yes, for I'm well. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> and you're in Darwin right now, is that correct? I am, I am. I left uh, Victoria uh, to come back for a court case in the middle of June, just before the second lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I sought exemption. I came to the Northern Territory for this court case, and then the second lockdown was announced. Um, Darwin being my hometown, mm. I made the wise decision not to return. Fantastic. Um, can I ask, you yourself, your own personal history, there are many Greeks in Northern Territory, we know that, but are you a Northern Territory Greek yourself? I am. I'm a born and bred uh, Larrakia Greek. I was born on Larrakia country. Uh, both my parents are Kalimnian expats. Uh, my father, Irakli, recently deceased. He uh, came to Darwin in 1956. Wow. Uh, my mother independently came to Darwin with her family in 1963. Uh, they met, they fell in love, and they married in 65. And, mm. and yeah, I'm the eldest of seven. Well, it's it's interesting that Darwin. I mean, there's always this kind of sense that Melbourne is the epicenter of Greekness, and yet, you know, in real terms, we know that Darwin has a significant Greek population, hasn't it? That's right. It's a concentrated one. Ten percent of the population here is Greek, wow. uh, or of Greek descent. So, um, quite a large community. Uh, most of us are from the one island, so uh, we have uh, strong connections not only to uh, a wider sense of family here, but also family back on the island. So, Kalimni, uh, you're all from Kalimnos, most of you, is that correct? That's correct. So, the Kalimnos. And that, ex- that in part explains the, um, the history of the Greeks here in Darwin because uh, I don't know if you or your um, audience um, uh, knows the history of pearling in, the, in this part of the correct. world in northern Australia. There was the Paspali family mm. uh, and also the Kalis family in WA uh, who sponsored. Uh, uh, sponge divers, Kalimnian sponge divers, and other Dodecanese sponge divers to come after World War Two, because of the, um, uh, the, the the politics surrounding the hiring of Japanese divers. So, so, so uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, hmm. How 
one migrant group supplements another and usually it's a little bit like the Italians coming in to take over the, what we should say, the slavery of the Canucks and World War II comes and the racism towards the Japanese and then the Greeks take over. There's a kind of a one group moving into another migrant group's area and all based around culture and racism in some ways, isn't it? Well, um, yes. Yeah, indeed. I mean, the, the, the legacy of, the, of World War II, of course, meant that um, they couldn't hire the Japanese divers. Um, so as a result, they hired um, Kalimnian and sponsored Kalimnian divers to come to this region. And um, the other fascinating historical uh, little tidbit here is that just as the Kalimnians came to Darwin to embark on sponge diving, the price of the pearl shell um, declined, uh, and that was because of the introduction of the plastic button. So, um, Kalimnians, however, being very resilient uh, mobs, they uh, decided to, you know, come out of the water, <laughs> so to speak, and concrete Darwin. They joined the building trade. <laughs> they decided to concrete the whole of Darwin, of course. Let, let... Indeed, of course, you know, <laughs> Concrete and Greeks. Co- concrete uh, and Greeks uh, go yes. together. That's right. There's no point. Yeah, uh, right. When you can have concrete nice and clean. <laughs> Let me ask you, look, yes. I'm sorry to hear about your dad's passing. I mean, I knew that, but, you know, for the audiences. And it's interesting how many of that generation, including mine and other parents, um, are just leaving us, aren't they now? There's a, sort of this uh, pioneering migrant group is disappearing very fast. Oh, and I like to call it our, our um, own heroic age mm. um, as, a, as a modern nation uh, of, of, of expat Greeks finding ourselves here. Just the, the, the toil, the sacrifices um, to embark um, in a new world without language, without the cultural mores, etc., uh, and, to, and to come and, 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 and to do so well mm. uh, and to integrate as well as as, as um, they did, um, speaks just highly not only of their their valour but also of their value. And it's a generation that I think will be sorely missed. Their resilience, yeah. That's right, resilience, yeah. And, and also their passion for... Uh, they're also the what we'd call the silent generation. They saw so much horror and deprivation and war and, you know, they just ploughed through you know they were happy to have a, a house and have an uzo and listen to a bit of music and work hard mm. and you know the expectations weren't what we would have or our children for that matter who seem to have augmented expectations all the time uh, look simple in their values but uh, firmly held so uh, values that 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 weren't that that, that uh, weren't expedient or um, values that weren't for example, uh, showed to be hollowed. They, they, simple people. For I mean, and, and I know I'm generalising here, and I know that I'm painting a caricature of Greekness in Australia. But uh, I, as I get older, contrast and compare myself and my generation to theirs. And um, yes, certainly we, you know, we have our own virtues. Um, but in comparison to the vices that we also have. Compared to our, our, um, our the, the generation before us, I, I think that we find ourselves we, we as in my generation, yeah. finds ourselves in a very precarious 
very precarious. Uh, oh, no, I agree. But having talking about virtues, I mean, you've got some fairly substantial virtues. I mean, uh, just for the listeners, you are a barrister. You've worked in Northern Territory Legal Aid Commission. Um, you've taken on significant matters in dealing with Indigenous uh, issues. And I see here from 98 to 2000, you're responsible for coordinating the largest test case and one of the most politically significant ones, as you write, the Kabila and Guna versus Commonwealth and the Stolen Generation litigation. Explain for explain to our listeners what, I mean, yes, we have a sense of what the Stolen Generation is, but give us a little detail about that specific case. What was it about? Uh, okay, so, I mean, it, it followed an, uh, an earlier attempt to write the wrongs of child removal policies. Uh, there was a constitutional challenge, uh, better known as the Kruger case, um, that uh, was unsuccessful. Uh, the High Court uh, sent the finding of facts, so to speak, back to the federal court uh, for uh, another uh, aspect of our claim. Um, but I was uh, very young um, solicitor at the time. I uh, had come back from a, a long overseas holiday. I resumed my practice with the Aboriginal Legal Service in um, juvenile justice, and the uh, the members of the Stolen Generation had heard of me um, and invited me to uh, apply for the position mm-hmm. of uh, coordinator, uh, which involved coordinating the claims of just over 2,000 people, looking after our test case litigants, uh, Lorna Cabillo, who recently passed away and whose funeral I, I attended on Monday, wow. uh, and also Kumajai Gunner, who also passed away some years ago. Uh, and there were, how can I say, it, it, was, a, it was a large litigation in that the legal team was Melbourne-based, Jack Rush, QC, um, was our leading counsel, um, assisted by uh, Mark Dreyfus, who's now the, uh, the Shadow Attorney the General, General mm. uh, and uh, Melinda Richards, um, SD. Uh, but, and also coordinating witnesses from remote Indigenous women out in the Utopia regions who could remember um, the children being taken away, um, women out in the Banker Banker, Tennant Creek region, so I dealt with uh, remote Indigenous witnesses, but also experts in the field of anthropology, mm. um, history, sociology. So getting the funding together, making sure that not one day of court was wasted because it was say, an expensive litigation, that was my role. Is it, how, how did that form you? I mean, we... And I'm fascinated by this because there are there's a hist- history of Greeks being involved deeply with indigenous affairs and issues for various issues. Uh, uh, partly, you know, that Greek ethos of wanting to help uh, fellow human beings, a sense, maybe a sense of a commu- communal sense of what is a family and how we. In your case, how did this change your views, or did it change or solidify your views about indigenous people and our role with them? I would say that it's probably one of the most important forming events as an adult that I've experienced, not only because of its intensity uh, and just the large uh, umbrella-like role that I that I had to play, but in the question as to 
how it, it has affected me personally. I would say um, I have a deeper appreciation of my local history. Mm-hmm. Uh, whilst I am born in the Northern Territory, as a Greek, I guess I uh, tended to uh, noblize and noble our own history. So I was mm. very uh, familiar with, you know, archaic, ancient, classical, uh, Western European history, but I didn't necessarily understand my own history of this place where wow. I was born. Mm-hmm. I didn't re- recognize, uh, and, I, and I, I had a, I grew up with um, Indigenous people. Indigenous people were my neighbours. I continued um, to be close friends with them. Um, I didn't understand uh, as an adult, and I'm talking about a 30-year-old adult, I didn't understand that there was a history, a dark history, a secret history in this country of children being forcibly removed, mm. not for any other reason other than the colour of their skin. Incredible. Um, and yeah. I found that, um, I still find that difficult to understand, yeah. uh, but to uh, have neighbours, to have friends, um, to have colleagues who uh, endured that trauma, uh, I, um, uh, it, it was, how can I, I, I could not justify it on a personal level, let alone on a political level. Yeah. Um, and in in terms of, interconnections with our own culture. Um, Greek culture, I find, is, has many things, many, many um, uh, th- that it shares with other older cultures mm. and Indigenous cultures in the plural are old. Mm. Um, and the sense of family. Correct. Um, the sense mm. of obligation. Uh, the sense of shame. Shame. Um, we, we talked about that once. I remember we had, uh, uh, you know, one of those uh, rare occasions we'll do again, we had lunch, and we talked about the importance of ethnic shame or this, the notion of shame, something that Indigenous and other non-industrialised cultures like us, we say, share, whereas it's hard to find in, so the Anglo-Saxon world, isn't it, this notion of shame on a collective premise, isn't it? I find that as society in its abstract term now, mm. expands and, and, and individuals who congregate within a group are, are disparate and disconnected. Um, disconnected either because they don't have familial bonds or friendship bonds, but also disconnected because of geographical space. That sense of distance goes a long way in ameliorating the, 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 the role of shame in mm. regulating human affairs. Right. So uh, I find that with, with uh, uh, Greece, as, 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 as in the Hellenic international spirit, it's quite an academic one. It's quite an Correct. intellectual and, 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 and an academic one. But the, the Greek culture uh, that gets repeated on a day-to-day level is the one village. Of, the village. The village, let's say. The the the, 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 the the, the, the aunties, I mean, it's interesting even here with the current situation, COVID, there's some discussion about large ethnic families and, you know, we shouldn't go around. And I was saying to a colleague of mine of Muslim background, I said, well, it's something the government doesn't understand that in our situation, particularly maybe not now that we're middle class and atomised and individual, but when we were younger, in, in, in the neighbourhoods we were born, whether it's Northern Territory or Adelaide in my case or Melbourne here, 
everyone was an auntie. Everyone was a cousin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't know who was the auntie and who was the cousin. So well, how can you right. tell me? Mm. Whenever we wherever, whenever we greet anyone who's just remotely a year or two older than us, it's we fear. say fear or fear, <laughs> yeah, you know. That's right. So and that, you, as we get older, we risk offending them because <laughs> that's right. That's right. Let me let me ask you. Look, yeah. mm. I just want to go. I want to go into mm. the arts, but before I go into the arts, I mean, you're still there. You're dealing a lot with indigenous uh, youth issues, and le- you're providing legal services. Am I correct in, in saying that? Yes, yes. I still um, practice as a as a criminal law barrister. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually. Uh, Completed 25 years this year. Wow, congratulations. Uh, my life in crime. Thank you. <laughs> your life in crime. Your life in, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, your life in crime. That's correct. I mean, but you're, 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 you're the white knight of crime. There are other barristers who are not so in, interestingly in recent times. But uh, oh, look, <laughs> As I said to a Greek client recently who thanked me verifiously uh, uh, for, for getting him out on bail as if I was, you know, an angel sent by God, I said to him, "Listen, mate, I'm more of a demoner than I am an angel." <laughs> <laughs> I'll need you at. Some, there's no doubt that I will need you at some point. So let's keep our relationship together. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, let, let me ask you: What are some of the? I mean, and I don't like the idea of us two talking about Indigenous people. I mean, that's yep. a conversation that I don't feel comfortable without Indigenous people being here. But on a broader level, for our audience, and particularly for Greek Australians. What are some of the critical issues that you see on a daily basis that are impacting both positive and negative to Indigenous people, particularly in Northern Territory? Um, look, I'll start off with some of the negatives and then I'll end uh, with the positives. That sure. way, uh, because the, traje- the, the trajectory, as I see it, is up. Mm. Um, if we can envision a sign curve, so to speak, mm. uh, for the most part, the legacy of colonialism mm-hmm. um, Continues um, the displacement um, continues. Uh, you cannot, as a group of people, experience, for example, the legacy of the stolen generation and the tr- the, the the trauma of being removed, and 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 assume that you know, as an individual, you can just get over it. It, it just doesn't work like that. Um, and so. Uh, Displacement, colonialism, issues like stolen generation, the uh, and the social dysfunction that that uh, accompanies traumatized people has meant that uh, indigenous people find themselves disproportionately represented in the criminal um, statistics System. and mm. in rates of incarceration. Um, and so, you know, as a, as a criminal lawyer in the Northern Territory, when eighty percent of the prison population is Indigenous, and the majority of my client base is Indigenous. It goes without wow. saying. Yeah. I don't go out and choose my clients based on their on their um, race or ethnicity. No. Um, in the Northern Territory, it's just a given. 80% of those incarcerated are Indigenous. At times, in mm. the juvenile detention centres, on doubt, 100% of inmates are Indigenous. Wow. Uh, and and so again, as a criminal lawyer, it's my largest um, uh, client base, mm. um, and I can understand from a sociological as well as a psychological uh, perspective uh, the the uh, 
premiogenic factors that are involved here. And they are generational as well. So you're talking about generational generational trauma, impact of broken families, anonymy, all these things that could impact on anyone who's been broken apart. Absolutely. Yeah. Or even, even, even things as basic as not understanding the legal system that you're yeah. being judged. Um, it's only a very recent phenomenon that uh, Indigenous interpreters have been um, provided. Wow. You know, we're talking um, 20, in 2000 that the Aboriginal interpreter service yeah. uh, started. Um, and so just imagine not being able to understand the charge, not being able to understand the allegations, not even being able to understand the process uh, that in itself mm. is is indicative of the challenges that, are, that individuals who are in a system where worldviews collide, mm. um, yeah, find themselves as being the, the human wreckage, so to speak. Can, 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 I, can I ask, there's been discussions, I know in South Australia and across Australia, about Indigenous legal systems. Is that happening in Northern Territory? Is there a meld of Indigenous legal systems and Western or Anglo-Liberal? Indigenous systems? No, not, not on not on an institutional level. No, but that there is a uh, that there are uh, Indigenous laws mm-hmm. that uh, that continue to govern um, jurisprudentially govern Indigenous uh, societies and and behaviour. Yes, it, 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 it goes without saying. But mm-hmm. as to whether or not it's formally recognised on an institutional level, no. Is there something we should be looking at? You know, is is that something that would help? I think that we should always be looking at measures of greater participation mm-hmm. by Indigenous people, and particularly in the criminal justice system, because, and I hate using the neoliberal speak, mm-hmm. but they are the largest user group. Mm-hmm. So it's no good having a large user group when they don't meaningfully participate in the system that go on to uh, punish. So I, I'm a strong advocate for a justice system that is reflective and represents the the makeup of its user group. On the other, on the flip side, as we said, there's also um, a greater growth of involvement by Indigenous business people, politicians, lawyers, etc., particularly in Northern Territory. Absolutely. And so I'm going to focus now on some of the, some of the positives uh, with that, that I perceive. We have uh, at least, I believe, four Indigenous parliamentarians in the Northern Correct. Territory, if not more. We have uh, a senator mm-hmm. in the Australian um, Parliament. Um, we have uh, numerous Indigenous uh, lawyers, both in criminal justice, in family law, civil, and in in that in land rights, mm. we have uh, a number of very strong um, indigenous leaders in the field of the medical clinics, in, mm. in land rights, um, as well as in the legal services. Mm. And more important, we have one of the most important art culture uh, and, and and markets in in the southern hemisphere. Well, this is now, this is the segue. I mean, you yourself, I mean, absolutely, and there's been, uh, the Australia Council has just recently released uh, a whole new set of rules or re- refined a whole set of rules of how to deal with Indigenous stories and copyright and things like that. And we know that 
you know, you see indigenous design in our aeroplanes or now, you know, we, we are defined by that in many ways as Australian and we should respect it and pay for it too. Yeah. I, w- I want to segue now to the other cooler. Um, I, I was actually fascinated when we first met to have this senior barrister, the significant <laughs> brain, I should say, the someone who's got so much weight and gravitas, and you've decided to punish yourself, Kula, even more. But <laughs> I mean, you've decided to go even further into sort of some masochistic world of art and to become and to take on not only are you an artist, but a master. You've done a master's in curation. I haven't quite finished yet. Possible, I haven't quite finished. I left it behind just as I left my Melbourne life uh, behind for, uh, for the time being. Um, but I intend to go back and finish it. Why are you punishing it? What, what is it exactly that you've done wrong that you need to do a <laughs> Masters in Arts, in Fine Arts and Curation? Tell me about it. What, what was the inspiration of this? Look, I've always had an interest in art. I, mm. you know, I grew up with, uh, you know, do you remember this encyclopedia set, Zumi? I don't know. Oh, yes. I you know, think they, so. had yeah, the, yeah. they had the um, the time Pinakosiki. You know, that was oh, Pinakosiki, my, yes, that's yeah, right, that, that's right. That and Telemede were the books I, you know, oh, Telemede, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, anyway, yes. I had an interesting art, uh, and I travel, and wherever I go, mm. you know, I make sure that I go to all the museums or the art galleries, etc. So I've, I've been a, you know, I've had a big love for the arts ever since I was a teenager, if not earlier. Mm. But, um, I was in Ballarat. I was had the role of being the um, uh, second in charge of recruiting the lady in Ballarat for four years, and it was That's the first right. job I had, which was nine to five. Mm. Um, prior to that, you know, it was a seven day a week job, often preparing late at night. But this job was manageable. It was a nine to five, and I mm-hmm. found that I had a lot of energy, um, mm-hmm. and it coincided with an exhibition at the Ian Potter Centre on um, a retros- it's a retrospective of uh, Sidney Nolan's work. Right. I went to check that show out and without knowing it, I, I joined a, um, a guided tour <laughs> of uh, for the blind, for people with <laughs> So you, col- you colonised the tour of the blind, you just decided yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> and I just realised, I realised that, you know, that, that there's more to art than what you see. So I just had mm-hmm. one of those... You know, moments epiphany. Of, mm. Yeah, epiphany, exactly. exactly. Uh, where I just kind of saw the light, so to speak, excuse the pun. And that day I um, went and enrolled um, online. I had plenty of time to, uh, you know, start studying art history um, online through Open University. So I did really well. And then I, 2010, I started a master's at Melbourne Uni. Mm. Um, to cut a long story short, I left... Family, you know, Greek families in Darwin. Dad had a heart attack. Course, blah, blah, blah. Yes. So I, I, I left my studies and and Ballarat life behind. Came to the Northern Territory in 2011, and I thought, well, instead of studying it, why don't you put it into action? And so I started, uh, yeah, just coordinating. And this is my skills again that I gained from the stolen generation years, meeting artists, coordinating um, and, and uh, devising, hosting, producing exhibitions. I mean, I was reading before you, I was reading your blog, I mean, and you've also got a very clean and fine way of writing as well. I mean, uh, I really enjoyed it. I was reading about your 
the first period that you were in Melbourne looking out the apartment <laughs> in North Fitzroy and, and sort of comparing your life to Northern Territory and Melbourne. And it's a, it's a, you've created artifact. I mean, you, you could sort of trace from your life and your blogs and the work that you've done a very broad palette. I mean, it, where, where do you think? Where, where, I mean, do you have a vision of where you want to be in a few years or are we going to have you as a critic, uh, as an artist, a gallery owner, barrister? What, what is it exactly? Look, I find that it helps my um, my advocacy work in the courts. Uh, it, it gives me a um, a relief, so to speak, from my own trauma because you know we get exposed to uh, some quite significant trauma in our job. So that's not to say that I like pretty pictures only. That's not what I'm no, saying. But no. it is it is a, it is my own outlet, and it helps me do my job as a criminal lawyer better. Um, believe it or not. And I fluctuate. So at the moment, I'm really enjoying my time back in Darwin, as a and and my focus has been on just uh, expanding my criminal practice up here because I had to leave my Melbourne one behind. Um, and so I'm not going to be. How can I? I'm reining myself in. I'm not going to be as uh, spreading myself thin. So I, I, I'm going to try not to, and I'm. It's as if I'm speaking to myself. I'm going to try and. Well, I, I can't see that. I, I see you expanding myself. I, I, I see. I see from, from what you've written, from the gallery shows, the coordinating stuff, and your advocacy work. I, I just can't see you rain anything in. To be quite frank, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I'm trying not to, but <laughs> I want to uh, commemorate. And this is coming back to my masters now because my masters was looking at Weimar cinema. Um, and in particular, uh, Nosferatu. But uh, 2020 is the 100th anniversary of the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And so um, now in the beginnings of a conversation that, you know, there's a lot of conversations that need to be had in, in the arts, but I'm hoping for a end of October uh, uh, showcasing of the film. Um, with a local musician playing the ceremony wow. and commemorating the 100th anniversary of Caligari wow. in probably a suburban cafe in Darwin somewhere at the end of the month. Well, let, let's, let's, let's look forward to this lockdown ending and you and I going through with Nils Gordon's in Darwin and you taking us uh, through your own journey across this fields of, of, of intellectual endeavour as a barrister and as an artist. I think it's on a mic. I would love to do that. I would love to give you my. It's it's, it's actually quite uh, a famous tour. It's called the Coolerusos Gothic Tour of Darwin. <laughs> the Coolerusos Gothic Tour of Darwin, and on that on, yes. on that note, you and I will be planning the Coolerusos Gothic Tour of Darwin, and I will be the Gonzo version of that for you. All right. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to show you. Well, Kula, thank you very much for being on The Cave. We really do appreciate it. Um, it's wonderful having you as a guest. Thank you. And I'll say um, a few words in Greek in my father's Please do. Oh, thank you very much for Nels Cosmos. Love you. Take care. Yeah. Cheers, Kula. Bye.